This is an ABC podcast. In the course of a day, I'd probably feel excitement, curiosity. I feel busy. Overwhelmedness. Not sure if that's a word, but you know, there it is. I feel stressed. Disappointment, sadness. Joy. Resignation. Indifference. And then ultimately, you know, happy to have done the work and happy to be going home. Elation, sometimes. If we think about our emotions, uh, every day we have many, many emotional experiences and how we deal with those experiences drives so much in our work lives and at home. So it drives how we come to meetings, how we interact with our colleagues, every aspect of how we love, live, parent and need. And emotional agility is really the skill set that helps us to be effective with our emotions so we can be present and values connected. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and that's Dr. Susan David. She's one of the world's leading management thinkers and a Harvard Medical School psychologist. Susan's TED Talk, The Gift and Power of Emotional Courage, has been viewed almost 10 million times, and her book, Emotional Agility, is a bestseller. Today on This Working Life, we're revisiting our conversation about bringing our whole selves to work, including the full range of our emotions. This was recorded pre-pandemic, So it's even more important now as we straddle work from home and the return to pants wearing at the office. Often what happens is people, we live in a society where, you know, generally emotions are seen as either warm and fluffy or where there's this narrative that we've got good and bad emotions. You know, good emotions are when you're happy and joyous and bad emotions are when you're frustrated or sad. And I find in my work and my research that that actually undermines our effectiveness with our emotions. And so often what happens is we experience emotions. We might be frustrated with a colleague or we think our boss is a complete idiot or (laughs) we're worried about something that a client has said. And often what we do is we might uh, push those emotions aside. We might say, well, I'm frustrated in my job, but at least I've got a job. Or we might lash out at people. And so really what we're doing is we aren't using these emotions as they are, which is they date and really these magnificent uh, signals inside of us that help us to be effective. So often what we do instead is we either bottle our emotions where we push our emotions aside and we rationalize them or we say that they're not happy, therefore they don't belong. Or what we do is we brood on our emotions. We sit on them, we ruminate, we become cynical. And both of these ways of being with our emotions is associated uh, with lower levels of well-being and psychological health, but also lower likelihood of achieving our goals and thriving in our careers. There can be days where they'll get the better of you, they are completely uncontrollable and they'll just completely derail your workday and your ability to do the work you have to do. When that happens, I have to, normally if I can, lock myself in a small room and lock the place out and just try and focus on the work itself rather than the scenario. And so I guess what I'm doing when I lock myself in that tiny little room is just shutting the world out and shutting my emotions down. And often what we're doing in these kinds of spaces is there's no place for other parts of ourselves because we've all got other aspects of who we are. We've got our wisdom, we've got our values, we've got our goals and who we want to be in the world. And when we 
either bottle our emotions, pushing them aside, we don't learn from them, or when we brood on them and get stuck in them, what we're basically doing is we're not elevating and letting other parts of ourselves come to the fore so we can bring the best of ourselves, you know, to the situation that we face. And you said that emotions are data. What do you mean by that? Well, if we think about our emotions, our emotions are these really beautiful pieces of signaling function that we have as human beings. They enable us to adapt. So if you're frustrated in your job, I've never met someone who's frustrated who at some level isn't concerned about, you know, I need more growth and I'm not getting enough growth in this particular career. Or someone who's feeling undermined might be saying, I don't feel like I've got a trusting and trustworthy uh, context here. And actually what I need is greater levels of trust. And so what these emotions are actually signaling to us is they signpost to things that we care about. It might be growth or it might be trust or it might be you feeling guilty as a working parent and that guilt might be a signpost that you value presence and connectedness and you're not experiencing enough of it. So when we open ourselves to these emotions and we say, what values are the emotions pointing to? It's incredibly liberating. So we can start then taking steps towards those values. So that's what I mean when I say our emotions are data. Mm. Um, But let's add that extra bit in there, which is they're not directives. I can think about what my emotions are telling me, but it doesn't mean I need to obey the emotion. It doesn't mean because I'm upset with my boss, I have to have it out with the person (laughs) or, you know, because I'm feeling shut down that I need to not share information with my colleagues. We can learn from our emotions, but they don't get to boss us around. We own our emotions. They don't own us. So if I find something that uh, angers me at work or I find frustrating, what are you saying that I need to do at that point? Well, the first thing that's really important that I talk about in emotional agility is this idea that, yes, we live in a society that tells us to kind of just be happy all the time. But actually, if we just slow down and we show up to that emotion, so instead of trying to push it aside, we set ourselves, you know, what is this emotion telling me? You know, what what is it that I'm experiencing here? A second aspect of emotional agility that's really important is um, what I call labeling emotions. So often in the workplace in particular, we use very broad brushstrokes to describe what we're feeling. We might say, I'm stressed. You know, that's a very common one. Or I'm yes. so angry. Um, but often, you know, we're not stressed. Often, actually, we're disappointed or we feeling unsupported or we're feeling worried. And so when we label our emotions more accurately, what it actually does is it, it activates what's called uh, the readiness potential in our brains. It allows us to understand, gee, what's causing this? Uh, I'm not stressed. I'm actually worried. What is the thing that I'm worried about? So what it starts to do is it starts to activate this readiness potential and we can understand what's causing the emotion. So the first thing is showing up to the emotion. Secondly is trying to label that emotion effectively. And then thirdly, try to surface what is the value that the emotion is pointing to? What is it trying to tell you is important to you? 
every workplace has a list of values on the wall. It's usually so, on the wall, yes. Or, or on the wall, or on the computer, whatever. <laughs> and, and so what can often happen is values can feel like they're these very wishy-washy, abstract, almost corporate slogans. Mm. And yet the power of knowing who we are and what we stand for and what we bring to this world is so fundamental. So I'll give you a very quick example that we've found from our research, which is imagine you've got a value. Now, this is a non-work-related value, but you'll be able to generalize this out. Imagine you um, are trying to lose weight and you go on an aeroplane and your seat partner buys lollies. <laughs> you at that point, even if you don't know that seat partner, are 70% more likely to also buy lollies. Okay. <laughs> so now that's bizarre. Okay. But what we do as human beings is we often pick up in very subtle ways the behavior of people around us. You know, they're on their cell phones in a meeting. We take ours out. Yes. Uh, we go out to dinner. One person orders dessert. We all do. And so what we start doing is we start catching other people's behaviors, but not just their behaviors, their wants. You know, they, they drive a car and we want that car um, or their emotions, their stress, their experiences. Mm. And so we start saying, you know, what is it that protects us from this emotional contagion? What is it that allows us to have our feet on the ground, our wisdom in our careers and in our interactions? And what we know is that starting to just say, you know, what is important to me? Who do I want to be in the context of this job? Um, how do I want to bring myself to my team? That answering those kinds of questions, and they don't need to be the, these magnificent, you know, nuances. It might just be something as simple as saying, you know, fairness is really important to me, or collaboration, or creativity. And what we know is that when we, as human beings, take a little bit of time to just bring these values front and center, that it truly enables us to thrive even in the context of change and disruption. My values at work, I guess, are integrity. I won't commit to something unless I intend on doing it. Creativity. I really would love to see a kind of egalitarian workplace where people are promoted and sort of celebrated for the work that they do. Trust in others, teamwork. Ultimately creating a kind of positive workplace. And rude jokes, very important to the work life is to make silly jokes here and there to break the tension. I'm Lisa Leong and on This Working Life today we're delving into the science of thoughts and feelings at work with Dr Susan David. She's a Harvard Medical School psychologist with insights from Sam and James, not their real names. Susan, can you share with me a person that you might have worked with who you would deem to be an emotionally agile person and how that played out? Well, let me give you an example of someone who I think really demonstrates what I talk about in emotional agility, the opposite of emotional agility, and then <laughs> what some of the emotional agility skills might be. So I recall a number of years ago, um, I was working with a client and this client had basically indicated that a woman in the organization that I knew very well was targeted for a life-changing promotion. She was going to become one of the top 10 individuals in this very large 200,000 person organization, a professional services firm. Uh, and as organizations often do in all their wisdom, uh, the organization had decided that they were going to promote her, but they weren't actually going to tell her yet. 
because there were a few things that they needed to get in place. And they felt that if they announced this to this person, it would lead to a whole lot of questions that they didn't feel ready to answer. This is very common in organizations. Mm. So I go off on maternity leave and I come back and this woman has been fired. And I said to the CEO, what happened? And he says to me, you know, it was so strange. Uh, she became cynical. She started to shut down. Every time we spoke about the organizational change, she would roll her eyes and she clearly had checked out. And I went out to coffee with this woman and I said to her, what happened? And she said to me, it was so strange. You know, I would walk down the passage and the conversation would change or I'd walk into a meeting and I knew that they were talking about me and I knew that something was up and I was convinced that I was about to be fired and I was right. I was fired. Oh, now, what wow. is so profoundly interesting in this context is, firstly, we all in organizations face every day situations that we don't like or maybe struggle to read or where things are going on around us that we don't have all the information on. Um, and I think the organization could have dealt with her differently. But what is really profoundly important here is if you said to this person, who do you most want to be, you know, stripped away from your KPIs and your goals and your this and your that. Who do you most want to be? She would have said, I most want to be a contributor. I most want to be a contributor. And yet getting stuck in the story, getting hooked by her emotions, allowing her emotions to boss her around, she started to act in ways that were in complete contrast to what her values were. I had, I think she been able to show up to this idea of what is going on here? What is it that I'm feeling? I'm feeling scared. Uh, what do I need to do in the situation? What are the values that I hold to be really important? If she had have been able to, in, in Viktor Frankl's beautiful, beautiful words, so Viktor Frankl, who survived the Nazi death camps, describes this idea between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose. And it's in that choice that lies our growth and freedom. When we are hooked by emotions, there's no space between stimulus and response. We feel something and we act. But when we are emotionally agile, we are able to create the pause that allows us to think about who we want to be in the situation. Because when emotions get high at work, our emotions can really derail us, as Sam has experienced. I don't understand where this is coming from. I don't understand why I'm being treated like this. I thought we were on the same page. I feel completely powerless. I feel completely disenfranchised from the situation. I think there's power at play here that is inappropriate. I don't know how to move this forward. I don't know how to sh change the tension in the room. I'm agitated, but I can f I can feel my body sort of responding to this, but I really want to just, I, can, I know that that's transmitting into the air, but I really just want to diffuse the scenario and move forward. So we get hooked on emotions. There might be emotions of stress, as an example. We get hooked on thoughts. A thought might be a thought like, I'm not good enough. Or we get hooked on stories. You know, some of our stories were written on our mental chalkboards in grade three about who we are, what we're good at, whether we're creative or not creative, what relationships we deserve. And we got hooked into these stories as well. These stories are these woven emotions, uh, belief systems, and so on. And all of these, you know, the thoughts, emotions, and stories require emotional agility. They require the ability to be compassionate with ourselves to say, you know, what is 
this thing that I'm experiencing? What is it that is the data or what's helpful to me in this situation? And who do I want to be? You know, what values can I bring in? What are some changes that I can make to the situation in a way that isn't about these huge changes sometimes? Sometimes it's about small values aligned changes that we make that can make a profound difference to our career, you know, learning new things, connecting with new people. And so apart from understanding her emotions and being very clear about her values, what practically could she have done at that moment? Well, I think what you've got here is you've got someone who's feeling insecure and you've got someone who's got this story about, uh, gee, I'm about to be fired. Uh, someone who's aware of the sadness instead of pushing it aside is saying, okay, this is what I'm feeling. What's actually going on for me here? Um, what do I need to do in this situation? collaboration or contribution is really important as a value. How can I bring collaboration to the situation that I'm facing now? How can I have a conversation with someone about my concerns? You know, instead what she did is she shut down into her story with the cynicism and allowed that story to boss her around instead of, again, being able to think about how do we create a pause in the story that allows me to gather myself and understand what's going on for me and then also make choices about how to come to the situation in a way that feels connected and constructive. What is individualised consideration? We talk so much about diversity at work, but diversity isn't just diversity of people. It's also diversity of emotional experience. Individualized mm -hmm. consideration is the idea that people are able to bring their emotional truth to the workplace. That doesn't mean we get impunity to just express ourselves in whatever way we want. But what it does mean is that for an organization that is truly trying to innovate, the intimate relationship with innovation is that there's going to be failure. Where an organization is trying to develop collaborative teams, the intimate relationship with collaboration is that there's going to be conflict. And so unless an organization actually opens itself up to the full range of emotions that come with what it is that the organization is trying to get, they're not going to get collaboration. They're not going to get agility. They're not going to be able to be adaptive because what we need to recognize is that the workplace, and I know this sounds so trite and cheesy, but the workplace is a workplace of human beings. And these human beings experience a full range of emotions. And so the healthiest workplaces are the workplaces in which the individual is seen and in which people are allowed to bring their emotional truth to the workplace. And it's in that truth that the organization might recognize, gee, this is where the project is going wrong and this is how we can fix it. But if they don't allow that person to bring the worry, then they're not going to have those data. Yes. And so when you mention the full range of emotions, you're including here the what is traditionally um, labelled negative or bad emotions. So maybe a feeling of discomfort, anger, sadness and the like. 
Yeah, again, I'm not suggesting that people are allowed to act with complete impunity. You know, if my son is frustrated with his baby sister, I can show up to his frustration. I can see him. I can hear him. I can connect with him. It doesn't mean that I'm endorsing his idea that he gets to give away to the first stranger that he sees in a shopping mall. You know, we we can show up to people's emotions in a way that is compassionate and kind and open-hearted and curious and caring without endorsing, you know, whichever behavior might, you know, come forward. And so, yes, it is actually about the recognition that when we open ourselves up in our organization to the full range of human experience, this is where teams thrive. When you look at Google, for instance, in their research, looking at when they've got an outstanding team, what is happening in that team? What do they find? They find that the key component that predicts successful teams is called psychological safety. Psychological safety is when people feel that they can bring their emotional truth to the workplace. When they can say, I'm concerned about what's going on in this project, and they're not going to be fired or pushed out or castigated, that they are actually able to feel that they are bringing who they are, their opinions and their skills to the workplace in a way that is truthful, rather than a trying to hide and, and, and tow the line and in turn towing the line, what happens is it's a dysfunction to the individual, but also dysfunction to the, um, to the organisation or within the organisation. Sounds like this is quite a massive cultural change to business. Does it hap- have to happen from the top down, do you think, Susan? I think having leaders in organisations recognise that there is no agility, true agility that is possible in an organization without emotional agility. And really what I mean by that is that when we are asking people to be agile, which is every organization is saying, please be agile, you know, please be collaborative, you know, innovative, et cetera, et cetera, please be agile. There is no true agility that is possible without emotional agility because what happens when people are going through a lot of change, when people are going through a lot of stress, the very context that demands that people be agile, the change and so on, also undermines it. When people are feeling stressed, they tend to lock down into rigid responses to their thoughts and their emotions. So I think that there is a very important cultural shift that is necessary with leaders. But I don't think that it has to happen at the top. I've seen teams where you've got these wonderful leaders who say, yes, there is all this change going on in the organization and I don't have all the answers, but who do we want to be with one another? You know, how do we want to bring ourselves to our interactions, to our meetings? What are our values? Those kind of leaders are basically allowing people to bring their emotional truth, to not just pretend that everything's fine, uh, but they're also establishing a way of directing of understanding what our values are. Who do we want to be in this situation? And that is just critical. Uh, It's more critical than ever, both because of what organizations are facing, but because we also know that there is an absolute mental health crisis in our country, in our society, and in our world. And that when we have organizations and people who are not dealing with or able to deal with others' emotions in a healthy way, what it does is it exacerbates these issues. And 
Finally, do you think that emotional agility is something that you can work on every day and get better at it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I work on emotional agility every day. Every day, um, you know, if I'm feeling stressed about something, what am I feeling stressed about? I recognize that I need to be compassionate to myself. Being compassionate is not the same as being lazy or weak or dishonest. It's just recognizing that I'm human. Uh, if I'm upset with someone, it's about recognizing that I'm upset. Who do I want to be in this situation? These are skills that we can all learn. And there's a very large body of research showing in organizations, in parenting, in relationships and beyond that this is a skill set that can be learned and that's actually fundamental to our health and our well-being, as well as the success of ourselves in our jobs and in our organizations. That was Dr. Susan David, Harvard Medical School psychologist and author of bestseller Emotional Agility. And if, like us, you love matters of the mind and analysing why we think and act the way we do, check out RN's All in the Mind on the ABC Listen app. This episode of This Working Life was produced by Maria Tickle. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, love your work. I think people need to feel like there's a space to be able to talk about emotions at work. Everybody is very different and everybody needs very different things and and I think people need to feel like they can actively approach their colleagues, their managers, their whoever to talk about their emotional state. Because I do think for a lot of people, including myself, <laughs> um, being able to address your emotional state and have it open and transparent and known to the point that it's comfortable for you will ultimately make a better workplace. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.